A couple, I'm going to just give a couple announcements before I preach for a few minutes. Um, uh, One is that Rick King, where are you, Rick? Are you in here? Always teaching Sunday school, of course. Um, Rick King wants to meet with men who want to be in an LTG. Is that right? Want to be in a life transformation group. If you could meet him after church over here in the fellowship hall. He's a friendly, bald guy. What? In the lot? What did I say? Back, back, sorry. Back here, yeah. Um, The second thing is, um, you may or may not have noticed, but there is a fence back here now. Um, That is uh, because, (laughs) we didn't, we forgot to tell you, but um, in August, the elders... um, approved building a playground at our, at our church, the starting of building a playground. The fence is the first step towards that. Um, it'll be in that fenced-in area, the first portion, where there will be, um, a, do you know what Gaga Ball is? The, the kids know what Gaga Ball is. There's a, is it an arena, a pit? It's a pit, a Gaga pit. Uh, that will build over there a, um, some platform slides, play areas, swing sets. We're going to take out the basketball goal thing post um, and make that uh, area for four square where there will be um, balls that we'll just keep in stock outside within this fenced-in area. That's important for us. That was important for us as a session, and I think it's important for us as a church because we have lots of kids we, we want our kids to enjoy being here and have a safe place to play. But on top of that, um, just as importantly, we want our community to feel invited here. Um, so there's not going to be signs on the, on the fences that say no entry allowed if you're not a member of Valley Hope. Our assumption is that kids from the community will come play on this playground and we want them to be here. We want the community to be here as much as possible um, and so our hope is, our plan is that by the end of October, this playground, this phase of the playground will be completed. Um, the project is being headed up by uh, Jason Cover with lots of help from Ryan McClellan and my wife, Aaron Rodriguez, Tony Brandenburg, Mark Oliver, um, uh, there's Nick Swan, there's somebody else. Phil Barry, oh, tetherball is going to be over there. I knew there was another thing. Um, Phil was helping with the tetherball. Um, so those folks are, are managing this in stages, and if you know that you would like to help, they're, they're kind of getting their areas sorted out, but if you know I have skills I'd like to contribute, because um, we're not just going to get a bunch of equipment delivered. It's, we're going to build stuff uh, ourselves to save money. Um, so if you want to help with that, you could maybe talk to them, talk to Jason if you want to volunteer. That'll, those individual projects will kind of be more specialized as, as we manage those, but then there will also be a day we just need to spread a bunch of mulch, and if you w- can lift a rake, you are, will be invited to that. Um, our hope is that this will culminate in 
just inviting the community to come play on the playground and have fun here um, on one day at the end of October, beginning of November. So that's what we're shooting for. The fence is the only proof that I have that that's actually happening, but I promise it's, it's happening. We're working on it. They have made great plans, drawings, schemes. It's, it's actually happening. So that's why that fence is there. Um, the second thing that I wanted to, to announce is um, three weeks... I think roughly it's three weeks, uh, October 3rd, Thursday night. Um, we're going to have a service for healing prayer here. And um, we want to provide a place where people can read the scriptures that say, you know, if you are sick or in trouble, come get prayer. Because <laughs> um, a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that on a Sunday morning. And a lot of people carry burdens, both physical, emotional, spiritual, and you're just not sure where to come get prayer. And we're going to set aside time on this Thursday night to come pray that God would heal his people. Um, we're not telling you that if you come and if you like give money or have enough faith that you definitely will be healed. It's not one of those healing prayer services. You know what I'm saying? Um, as I was talking with uh, some folks that are going to be involved in this, my sense as we were talking about it was that the Father loves to be tender towards His people and to care for His people. And He invites His children to come close to Him and to ask. And that may be really uncomfortable for you, and we know that, so things are going to be real chill here that night, real quiet, but my conviction is that God wants to have this opportunity with you and with friends outside the church, frankly, to have the opportunity to just ask him, would you, would you do this for me? And our job is not to promise you what God will do. We're going to just come see Jesus together, and then Jesus takes it from there, and Jesus might say, you know what, you think you need this, but what you really need is this. Uh, and we're going to be open to that, whatever, whatever the Father wants to do for his people. So um, I, I would invite you to be thinking about that. Pray for that time. Come. It, it's probably just going to be like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, we'll pray for anybody who comes. Um, it'll be a sweet time. And in the future, you know, maybe you want to just come check out one time. I think we'll do it again somewhat regularly. I would encourage you uh, to consider bringing friends who are outside the church because I, this is my experience. There's a lot of people who want nothing to do with Jesus, but if you say to them, hey, can I pray for you? They'll usually say, yes, please. And I don't even know why, but they just want somebody to pray for them and to care for them. So this may be your spot. If you got a friend who is afraid of this on a Sunday night, they might be willing to say, yeah, sure, you can pray for me. That, that sounds great. So just consider that and think about it. Um, if you have any questions about any of those things, come talk to me, um, except the LTG thing. That's all Rick. I don't know anything about that. So you have to come back to hear if you're a man interested in LTG. All right. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to jump right into some, some verses uh, in Romans in the book of Genesis. Uh, 
I'm in a series on using the, the Apostles' Creed to really talk about what is, what is it that Christians have always believed at all times and all places. Um, and this morning we're talking about this first article of the Apostles' Creed that we believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth. So this is Romans 8, starting at verse 9. Actually, keep your finger there. I'm going to read the passage in Genesis first. A Genesis passage that's probably relatively familiar to you if you've been around church. Genesis 1.1 and following. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And then this is Romans 8, starting at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, the word shapes and forms your church and that we live in the midst of a people who stretch back, back to ages past, who confess that you are the Lord of heaven and earth, that you've made all things, that you are over all things and through all things and in all things. And Jesus, we pray that we would see you rightly, because only in you do we rightly see and understand God. So open our hearts, open our eyes, and open our ears. May we be soft and tender before you. Shape us, Lord Jesus, to the glory of your name. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Uh, this, this article of the Apostles' Creed is, is short and it's dense. And it says a lot about the person of God the Father. And uh, these, these things, these statements contain a lot of things inside of them, both for us now and for the people who first heard them and confessed them. For us, we want to dial in quickly on this idea of God as creator, who is almighty, and who is Father. And the scriptures are clear that there is nothing that exists apart from God's creation, 
Apart from God's making, there is no thing that exists. God didn't need some secondary material to form the world out of. He made the world out of nothing. He's entirely the generator of everything that exists. And the point of Genesis is that Israel's God is totally different from every other god that, any, that anybody else worshipped in the ancient Near East. Because Babylonians had a view of a god who had a war with another god and used the, the corpse to make a, a world. Israel's god, there is no rivalry, there is no contention, there is no war. He just makes everything. And not out of violence, but out of the overflow of his goodness. And so the repetitive statement that we first started to get a hint of in the, in the first day of creation, is that God sees the world, He makes it, and it's good, it's good, it's good. Everything that He makes is good because He Himself is good, and creation flows out of His goodness. So the profound goodness of the world is in itself a good and comforting word to us because we live in a world that doesn't always feel good. It feels quite broken. And in fact, it is broken. It is not working. And for a long time, for thousands and thousands of years, people have looked and said, because of this brokenness that we see, it must be that the world is actually bad. And that what God wants us to do, or the gods want us, or the Spirit wants us, is to get out of the world because the world is bad. And the best thing that we could hope for is that, that the gods would eject us from the world, nuke everything, and then we could be free of this world. We could just be disembodied spirit. And unfortunately, many times the church sort of absorbed this ideology. So people grew up in churches saying the best thing that you can hope for is to hold on until you die, get ejected up until heaven, and then you float there in the clouds forever. Isn't that good news? No, that's lame. That's not good news. That's bad news. Because that says everything that we are experiencing, God is basically ready to say, ball it up, throw it out. It's no good. That is not the proclamation of Genesis 1. It's not the proclamation of Genesis 2. It's in fact the world was flowing out of God's goodness. And anything that is not good then is a sign that God needs to come and rescue Ben Myers, who, who wrote the book the, on the Apostles' Creed that I referenced last week, says, the, the world is not evil in need, and in need of destruction. The world is sick and needs to be healed. And because God is the, the creator, that is the framework with which we approach everything. And when we confess him as almighty, we are saying that he is in fact the king over everything. It is not so much a declaration of all the things that God can do, and look how strong He is, though He is able to do all things and He is very strong. The confession, the creed is pointing us instead that the one who can fix everything actually is the one who has the authority and the ability to fix everything. He is our healer and can and will heal the things that He has authority over, which is all things. He is almighty. And he's not only that, but he is father. We confess him as father. And this is really the, where the particularities of, of Christian ideas about God really set themselves apart. 
Because this is... This speaks of the nature of God that is fundamentally different than any way that any other religion thinks of God. Now, it's, it's important to just kind of acknowledge and understand that today, maybe as much as any time or more than any time in history, the idea that we would call a good God Father is as fraught as ever. For one reason, one reason for that is people's homes are more fractured in our culture than ever. People grow up without fathers regularly. Half half of homes fracture after children are introduced into into the picture at one point or another. People do not naturally assume that a father is a good figure. And then even those of us who grew up at home with mom and dad, like I did, we still reckon with the fact that we have fathers who are imperfect. Some some of y'all have fathers that were terrible, and you would have preferred that they were not present. I had a great father, one I'm profoundly thankful for. My father was imperfect. And even my very good father, who I grew up in a home with, has given to me an inheritance of imperfection that I still have to reckon with when I think of God as Father. So when we, when we call God Father, it, it, becomes, it becomes scary. For many people, they just absolutely cannot do it. They cannot give that name to God. And it also, we have to be clear because of that, what we are saying when we call God Father. Because people have used that language and twisted it for evil ends. God is a Father as a statement of relational relational connection. But God isn't like my Father or your Father or anyone's Father because God is not a man. It's fundamental to defining God as who He is. is God is not a man. He isn't like my dad who was great but imperfect, or you like your dad who abused you, or like your dad who left you that you never knew, because He's not a man. He's not even male as we think of it, because that's a biological term, and God is not a biological animal. He's a person who is a spirit, a being without body. So the distinction of how God is not like our fathers is important. And that, for many of us, is a source of great hope. Some of us, it crushes an idol. And some of us, it provides great hope. But what it is telling us is something fundamental about the nature of God Himself. Because it is saying that God has eternally been in relationship. You cannot be a father without having a child. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't become father until you have a child. Before then, you're just a guy. And from the earliest life of the church, people like Tertullian said, God is eternally father, which means that he has eternally been in relationship with the eternal Son. So eternally, God is Father and eternally in relationship. In other words, it is in 
the identity of God himself, that God would be relational. And we're in the position of confessing this mysterious, bizarre, wonderful faith in which we are saying God is absolutely one. We worship one God. And yet in himself are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the nature of the Godhead is relations and love. When we say God is love, as we do when we confess things like this, we mean it in a way that nobody else means it. In every other religion or system or thought, there requires a multiplicity of gods or it requires you. If God is not Trinity and He's just one single being, one person, then what God needs to show you that He's loving is for you to exist for Him to love someone. So God must create people because He needed He was just lonely and He needed someone to love. And what we're saying is no, that in the fabric of the universe is the God who Himself is already and eternally loving. And the, the creation of the world itself flows in goodness out of His perfectly satisfied goodness. And creation itself is a reflection of His good nature. And when we are telling you that God wants to love you, we are not saying that God was sitting around and lonely and brokenhearted and wish He could love someone. We are saying God has infinitely always been loving. That He is love. God is love in a way that our God outshines any other idea of God anywhere ever. And so when His people, the church, confess, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, we are freely confessing together, we are not God, and we have great hope because the Creator God extends His eternal infinite, boundless love to us. Creation is not broken and in need of destruction. It is sick and in need of healing. And God, who is not like any father we've ever seen or known, will himself draw us into his own life. Paul says in Romans 8, is that the Spirit of God draws you in to the Trinity and makes you a son or daughter of God so that you become a rightful heir of this God. You are here today and you, have, you bear in your body and in your heart all the marks of a world that is not right. But when you come in to the church, when you come in in the midst of this confessing people and confess that this is the way that God is, you are confessing that your trust and your hope is in a God who is so much better, who will open the pathways to infinite life to you and will give you Himself. Eternally, Father, and through the work of Jesus can be your eternal Father and whom you can trust to heal all that has been broken and made sick 
and to be bearing all the appearances of irreparable evil. The infinite and almighty God can be your Father. And in that is our great hope. Would you then trust Him? We talked last week about the belief that we're talking about is not certainty, it is trust. Would you then look to, to God and trust Him to deal with all the wounds that you've been given by this world gone wrong, by the abandonment of your own father or mother, and let him scoop you into his own life and enfold you into the inheritance of infinite divine love. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have provided the means for us the ability for us to see you and to come in, that you become for us the place of access, that we can come boldly before the throne of heaven, the place where the Almighty One who has made all things can be known to us as Father. And Father, I, I pray that your Spirit would press in and press down on us that we would hold before you all of our heartbreak, our sickness, our vulnerabilities, and we would submit to the draw of the Spirit and pray with trust, Abba, Father. God, I pray for all of those who are in here this morning who are beaten up by a world gone wrong who have participated in the wrongness of the world and feel sick and feel tired, feel bruised and feel broken. I pray that you would help them to see you and to hear you, that you are the God who calls forth the light from the darkness and can again proclaim the goodness of God over even, even that. Father, I pray for for us who have lived life with you and neglected you, who treat you as a piece of furniture in our life, disabuse us of this, God. Draw us again to the great joy of your own infinite and eternal life, to the divine life. We thank you for opening the way for us into this kind and quality of life. We thank you that it stretches out and upward into eternity forever and ever. May you be our great joy. We trust that our hope is sure. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.